Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the unfiltered mental health podcast dedicated to talking about all the things no one wants to talk about in real life. My name is Christina, your host. Hey, Ruby! Ruby's going into the bathroom to pee on the rug, and she knows she's not supposed to. Hold on. Okay, sorry about that. Um, it's been a hot minute, even though it has only been two weeks, but I, I feel like a lot has happened in that time since um, I last released an episode. Uh, my friend Shannon came from Vancouver to visit me, and uh, we had a really great time. We were going to record a podcast episode, but our time was cut short, so she's going to be a guest yeah, in the near future. Um, my mental health has not been, like, very extreme lately. Like, I'm still struggling with just, like, the everyday stuff, but, um, nothing too extreme lately. And I think it's because of, uh, my antidepressants. Um, I, I didn't really need to talk about that in this intro, but, um, here we are. Um, yeah, I'm taking Prozac and I've been on it for about nine months, I want to say. I started it, like, right before my hospitalization last year in May, so, yeah, my experience with it has been um, interesting because at first I didn't see a difference at all, and uh, actually, a lot of people don't know, it takes months for it to start working, like, to get into your system, And, and I'm not a doctor or anything, like, by all means, do your research, talk to your doctor about this, but, um, it takes a few months to get into your system and start working. So a lot of people like start taking it and nothing happens and then they give up. But um, I'm glad I stuck with it because I feel like the reason that my mood has been so stable is because of the Prozac. Like it's not making me into this like happy robot, which I think a lot of people think antidepressants will do for them. But my mood has been a lot more manageable. My my mental health has been a lot more. Um, it hasn't been the roller coaster that it used to be. Uh, speaking of emotional roller coasters, today we are talking about living alone when you're dealing with mental health issues. And um, I recorded this episode the day before Valentine's Day with my friend Anne, so it's kind of timely for a lot of us. We talk about the pros and cons of living alone when you're struggling and some ways you can make it more bearable if, you know, that's something you need. And also, like, living alone doesn't have to suck, and we talk about that too. Um, really excited for you guys to hear it. This should be obvious by now, but if you guys uh, listen to the episode and it struck a chord with you, I I love hearing your thoughts. I'm always on Instagram. You can DM me on there, Pickles and Vodka Podcast. I just uh, love hearing what you think, and it just means the world to me. So uh, don't hesitate to say hi. And also, I love a good meme, so you can send me those. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. (laughs) Here's the episode. I hope you guys enjoy (laughs) <laughs> so, okay, now that we're recording, I feel like I do this every week now. I forget to hit record. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um, that must mean I'm going off the rails or something. Uh, but anyway, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you just introduce yourself, first of all? Well, my name is Anne, and this is a good time to be on the podcast because I can say that I'm in my 20s. Even though I turn, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I, well, I'm turning thirty in March, which is scary but also exciting. I currently live in Southern Ohio, 
which is where I moved. That's where I'm living alone, which is what we're talking about today. But I'm from Michigan on the west side of the state. Okay. How long have you lived in Ohio? I moved here in 2019 over the 4th of July weekend. Oh, so pretty recently. Yeah, it's been about eight months. And what do you do? So I work in local government and I'm a diversity and inclusion manager. So that's looking at workforce diversity, um, having a diverse community, and then supplier diversity, which is making sure that how the organization spends its money is supporting minority businesses. Now, I know you have mixed feelings about your job. Uh, Do you kind of want (laughs) to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So, well, I moved down to Ohio for my job, which was a big change for me. And I was going into a city where I didn't know anybody, and I didn't know a lot about the culture of the organization. And it's kind of turned out to be not very supportive. I think when you're doing diversity and inclusion work, it's good to be part of a company that's more progressive. (laughs) Yeah. And it can be kind of hard to push the work that I'm trying to do if the culture is really conservative and closed off. So it's been difficult. I mean, yeah, you're fighting an uphill battle, basically. Yeah. Are you trying to get out of there anytime soon? Yes. <laughs> so I had planned to quit my job today, actually, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um, living alone and not really having a great support network down here to make a decision to quit your job without a backup plan, which is what I'm going to be doing. That's um, like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I mean, yes. that sounds bad. But what I mean to say is you're really brave for doing it. And I think to segue into mental health, I think mm-hmm. it'll be healthier for you long term. It's terrifying to jump into the unknown, Yeah, but but... I'm definitely going to quit my job by the end of the week, so. Uh, What's your background with mental health? I've kind of always struggled with low self-esteem and low body image for as long as I can remember. Actually, my earliest memory was of me in kindergarten, and I remember somebody made a comment about my body, and I can't even remember what it was. But I just remember feeling ashamed of myself and my own skin from that moment on. That kind of was always a cycle of feeling very like self-aware of how I looked and how my body looked and using food to cope. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of escalated for me starting probably in middle school, I think was like the defining moment. And I was diagnosed with depression and anorexia for the first time my freshman year of high school. Had the behaviors been regular for a long time before your diagnosis? When I tried to look back on when the depression started, I think it probably started for me sometime in junior high. But the eating disorder, I think I was binging as a child. Like I would sneak food and binge, but the anorexia didn't start until probably somewhere between junior high and high school. What do you think prompted that sudden change? Eighth grade was a really hard year for me. I just struggled to fit in and like find a place where I belonged. So I really started using food as a coping mechanism to kind of stuff down those feelings of loneliness. And I've never really been overweight, but that was probably my highest weight at that point in eighth grade. Okay. So somewhere between eighth and ninth grade, I joined a dance group and I've never been an active person and suddenly I was very active and so I started losing weight because I was doing more exercise and physical activity and 
I felt so much better about myself, but then it turned into a fear that the weight would come back on. Oh. And I didn't want to regress to how I was before. So I remember, I think my mom had a women's health magazine and there was a list of like low-cal snacks to eat to maintain your weight. And I remember writing them out on a piece of paper and sticking it up on the fridge. That was like my first time trying to diet or regulate what I eat. It started with that and then it just kind of started snowballing. And then before I knew it, it was anorexia. I never thought about it like that before. Losing weight first and then Mm -hmm. being afraid Mm -hmm. of gaining it back. Because mostly, you know, people start out overweight and then they're trying to lose it. Being part of this dance group, it was all teen girls. And the instructors were very conscious of our weight and they would make remarks on our body and they would encourage us to lose weight as well. So it was a really difficult group and environment to be part of. Now, in kindergarten, your first memory was that comment on your body. Uh, I forget, was that Mm -hmm. a a fellow student or an adult who made that comment? It was a student. Okay. Um, She was a few years older than I was. Man, kids can be so cruel. I know. (laughs) It's like, which came first? Like, are kids just copying the adults they see or are adults cool because they were cool kids? I don't know. So with the diversity and inclusion work that I do, I'm always looking for like content to show in trainings. And there are some videos out there. It's like a psychology experiment. And there's really young children of different races. And they're given a white doll and a black doll. And they're asked different questions. Like, you know, which doll do you think is bad? Which doll do you think is more attractive Mm -hmm. or more pretty or beautiful? And regardless of the race, most of them are reaching for the white doll. Wow. Um, So, you know, they're not born with the understanding, you know, that's ingrained in them somehow, even at a young age, through like media or through their family. So it's interesting how stuff affects us as children, our environment. For sure. And it sucks because it's like the one thing you can't change. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know the topic for today is living alone, and I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to get into that with you. But um, I want to ask a few more questions about your work first. Um, What first got you interested in that field? It's never something that I saw myself going into. I didn't really know that it could be a job. I started working at a city. It was a city that I grew up in. I was doing human resources work, and I started taking on side projects that were kind of focused around diversity and inclusion. And the city had a diversity and inclusion department, and their HR director said, you really have an affinity for this work. I can see you doing it. Um, Have you considered this before? And I really hadn't. So she kind of started putting me on different projects and getting me the experience. And then there was a job that opened up in the diversity and inclusion department, which I applied for and I, I got offered. Nice. What, what drew you to it personally? Like, was there anything that happened like as a kid or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, so, you know, people can look at me and I'm a white female and I might seem unsuspecting for diversity and inclusion work, but I was born hard of hearing. So I'm completely deaf in one ear, and I only have a portion of hearing in the other. So growing up and having to wear hearing aids and just being different from the rest of my classmates, you know, those are experiences that really impact like how you see yourself and how you see others. 
And it was very lonely and isolating at times. My parents never really talked about me having a disability. So I was never part of the disability community, and I didn't know anybody else who was hard of hearing or deaf or had hearing aids. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, as an adult, I really saw the importance of like environments um, and building spaces where people like feel safe to like own their identity and like bring their full identity to work or to wherever they're at. Um, and I wanted to be part of that. For sure. I think disabilities are definitely underrepresented just everywhere. Um, I also, yeah. I didn't know you were deaf. Did do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, basically deaf, you know. <laughs> do you wear hearing aids today? I don't have them in right now, but I wear them at work. Okay. So I have enough hearing that I can generally like follow conversation and talk with people. But when I'm like with somebody face to face, like I read lips as well. Oh, nice. I bet that comes yeah. in handy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it bother you when people say jokingly, like, oh, sorry, I'm so deaf, like, if they misheard something that you said? Not not really. My biggest things with being hard of hearing are when people find out, they'll shout at you or yell at you. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Sorry for laughing. I'm just... <laughs> no. I think the other thing, people assume a lot of times that you're rude because if they don't know that you're hard of hearing and they try to grab your attention or they call your name and you don't respond because yeah. you can't hear them but they don't know that you can't hear them so they think that you're not interested in you know having a conversation with them well yeah then I think yeah the other big thing is people think that you're dumb a lot of times I don't hear like a hundred percent of everything that's going on so you have to pull together the information that you do here and like you know use that to like form an understanding of the situation so if I misunderstand something then you know I might say something that doesn't fit in with the conversation yeah, yeah. I mean I I have been guilty of you know misunderstanding deaf people um, I used to work mm -hmm. with a, a deaf girl at the coffee shop in uh, DC mm -hmm. and I thought she hated me when yeah. I first started, I thought she was rude. I thought she hated me. And then once we started talking, like she was just like me, you know, we, we mm -hmm. laughed over silly little things and she taught me some phrases with sign language. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like no one had even shown her how to properly set up her login for the time card because, because they couldn't communicate with her. They didn't even try. So she wasn't even properly getting paid this whole time. And so mm -hmm. all I did was make a quick phone call to our company to get it settled. It literally took me like three minutes. And she was like so overwhelmed with gratitude. And I thought that was Aww. really sad because, it, like I said, it's just a basic thing that we all do. Mm -hmm. But A lot of times people, if they don't understand, they just don't even try to interact with somebody because I think that they're scared of doing or saying the wrong thing. It's really isolating sometimes, especially being hard of hearing, because I feel like I don't fully fit in with the deaf community because I don't know sign language. Mm. But then I don't really fully fit in with the hearing community because I don't fully hear. So it's kind of like an in-between world where you feel like you don't fit in anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I bet that can extend to a lot of other areas of your life too. 
Yeah. You know, for me, like I identify too as bisexual, you know, and there's a lot of biphobia sometimes in the LGBTQ community. But then, you know, outside of that, people make assumptions about you if you're bi, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of that that in between, even people who are biracial experience that as well. So I think it's prevalent in a lot of different communities. I mean, these examples you're giving of being partially deaf, being biracial, Mm -hmm. bisexual, they're great Mm -hmm. examples of how nothing really exists in black and white. Yes. I mean, that's a huge problem for me is like thinking in black and white, like something's, Mm -hmm. you know, one way or another, there's no in between, no gray area. But yeah, listening to you talk about that, it just makes me realize like in the diversity department, like there's a ton of gray areas that no one talks about. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this is all really interesting, but I want to keep us on topic. <laughs> I forget. It's like, what, two or three hours later over there? Uh, three. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so what we want to talk about today is living alone, which yeah. depending on what time of my life it was, when you said that I would live alone, I would either be really scared or really excited. Like, I think it depends mm-hmm. on where you're at in life. Um, for most people I know, like living alone is the fantasy Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not having to deal with anyone else's dirty dishes or decorating tastes, just being able to come home and doing whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. But I wanted to specifically talk about it from a mental health standpoint, because, uh, as you know, very well, it can be a double edged sword for us. Definitely. Um, so what's your experience with living alone? So I've lived alone for about eight months. And the decision to live alone kind of coincided with a bunch of other life changes. So, you know, that was me moving out of state. About a month after I moved, I ended a five-year relationship. And I decided to date. So it was, you know, ending a relationship, moving to a new state without a support system, um, deciding to be more open about my sexuality, uh, you know, moving into this new space, um, starting and navigating a new job so it was a lot of stuff that hit at once yeah that's crazy Mm -hmm. so before that had you lived with your partner yep I was living with my partner before I moved we lived together for about two years Um, and I had never lived alone previously I've always lived with family growing up I moved out when I was 18 even then the people that I lived with were friends so I had never even lived with a stranger Were you okay with that or was it like your dream to live alone? I think that I thought about living alone. It seemed like something that I wanted to work towards. I guess it kind of depends on like your upbringing, but I feel like for me, like having my own space was like something that I felt like I needed to like work towards to like be like at the next stage in my life. Well, yeah, I feel like there's these two conflicting images we're presented with. Like, on one hand, Mm -hmm. the successful independent person lives alone. Like, there's no doubt about it. But Mm -hmm. on the other hand, there's fucking reality. Like, lots of our peers are living with their parents, you Mm -hmm. know, into their 30s, just because sometimes you don't have any other choice. So it's these two drastic pictures. Again, black and white thinking. Yeah. Um. But, like, most of us live on that kind of in between. Like, I moved out when I was 18 also Mm -hmm. and, you know, did the whole college dorm thing and then had roommates. And (laughs) I am only just, like, five months into living on my own. Not Not even five months. So 
Yeah. I mean, what was your first reaction to getting your own place? Well, first reaction was really exciting. At the time, I was still with my partner. So I had them for support through the situation. So at first, it was just kind of like this fun thing that I was doing. And it it seemed more short term because we had talked about I would try living here by myself for a year. And then we would try to find a way to be together again somehow. Um, So it didn't really seem like a finite thing that I would be living alone for, you know, like a long term. But I was just, I was so excited. Like I felt like I had made it in life. You know, I was in a place where like I could financially support myself, where I could pay rent alone, where I could pay the utilities, where I could still like afford to have like a life outside of my apartment. And it was really fun to, you know, pick out stuff for my apartment, like decorate and find stuff to go inside. So it was it was so fun (laughs) you have the best taste by the way for anyone listening who who isn't friends with you um Anne is like the thrifting queen oh (laughs) it's literally like one of my dreams to go thrifting with you someday (laughs) I would I would love that that'd be so much fun (laughs) so when you got your own place what was your mental health like my mental health was in a really good state I had taken like a month off between giving notice at my previous job and starting my new job. So I had had time to like really focus on myself and like get into a good mental space. I was just so excited about where I was in life. It was really good. I was in a place of recovery with my eating disorder. I felt like my depression was under control. So you didn't really have any hesitance about moving into your own place and being alone? I did, um, because even when my depression is in a better place. So for me, I've been depressed for 15 years. It's kind of that thing that even if I'm doing better, it's still like underlying. You know, it it never goes away completely. So like I'm always scared of when it's going to like pop up and get really bad. So I knew that I was probably going to deal with that. I just didn't know how bad it would be so um when did your current like I don't know if I should say relapse or like chapter (laughs) like when did when did things start going downhill the shit storm the shit storm when did the shit storm begin I don't can I swear yes (laughs) well in my personal life I do but I feel like I've gone like professional mode for some reason right now and that and I never swear at work so how did the shitstorm come to be? Well, so I would say it was probably about October because um, I broke up with my now ex in like mid-August. So like October was kind of when I decided to start dating again. And I I hadn't been single for about nine years. So I had no idea what that would be like. And at first it was like super fun to meet new people and it feels... It feels like validating to have people interested in you totally and to get to get attention and compliments but then when it doesn't work out or when it goes away especially for me like I have attachment issues and codependency that I struggle with so when that went away it really was like affecting me mentally and that started to kind of build up and I was getting to a bad place you know work was not going well so you struggle all day at work, you don't really have anybody to talk to. And then you come home and you're by yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. Even if you have terrible roommates, it's still a person at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's kind of shitty. 
to walk into your apartment sometimes and there's nobody there. <laughs> yeah. So October, you started isolating more? Yeah, I would say I started isolating more. And I was really optimistic about my job when I started because I, I love the work that I do. But kind of by October, I realized that it was not a supportive environment. I was not really getting any help at work. I wasn't getting any resources to try to start the work that I was doing. So it kind of started to sink in and I realized that maybe I had made a mistake. Do you tend so, to make like impulsive decisions? Um, Not really when it, well, I definitely do when it comes to my personal life, but not, not work. You know, I had really like thought through my decision to move down here and to take this job. So it really makes it worse, though, that you had prepared so thoroughly and it still ended up disappointing you. Yeah, it just it really hit me hard, you know, that maybe I hadn't made the right decision. And, you know, now I felt like I was stuck down here. And there were so many people back home who helped me get to this place. And I felt like I was letting them all down. So it made me feel like a failure. So then what was your response to that? My response, I think that's kind of what triggered the relapse with my eating disorder, because it's like that need to feel like you have control over your life. Yeah. I felt like I didn't have control over my personal life. I felt like I didn't have control over my failing professional life. So that was like my way to like regain like a center. Yeah. That's what like hooks you in, mm-hmm. you know, that it feels like great at first. And then it just, it spirals so quickly. Yeah. In the past, when you struggled with the same things, obviously Mm -hmm. you weren't living alone. So um, what did you find different this time around, besides obviously not having a lot of people around you? I just felt like I didn't have a support system. So when I moved down here, I, I actually made a pretty big effort to meet people. I tried to get colleagues to go to lunch with me. Um, There were some community organizations that did work that I was really interested in, and I reached out to them to see if I could volunteer. I probably did that with like five or six places, and none of them got back to me. So you'd think that like those kind of organizations would be desperate for volunteers. Yeah. So, you know, it makes you feel bad, especially for me. I'm really introverted. So like when you're putting yourself out there it's really hard and then when it seems like nobody wants you (laughs) oh my god you just described why I don't date (laughs) I I know and so I had made an effort to like have a support system and it didn't work and so instead of trying again I just kind of accepted not having anybody so you know when you start to get to a bad place and you don't have anybody recipe for disaster Yeah. I mean, I can relate a lot. When I got this place, I was so excited and Mm -hmm. um, I've had to put like extra, extra effort into, you know, hanging out with people and getting to know people because it's just so easy to just stay inside and be in Mm -hmm. your cave. And like a lot of times I think I could die and no one would know for like if it was over the weekend, like... No one would find out until, you know, who knows how long. Yeah, I mean, I've had that fear. There's been a couple of times I've, like, choked when I was eating. Or one time I got really sick and I fell in the bathroom. Like, I, I fainted and I fell in the bathroom. 
And it's just like that fear in that moment. You know, there's like nobody else around if something yeah. happens. Like they're going to find my decaying body. <laughs> well, yeah, and I have a cat, so I'm, I guess I'm not completely alone. But on yeah. the flip side of that, if I die, you know, she's eventually going to do what animals do. Yeah. And that scares the shit out of me. When I was growing up, there was a person down the street from my elementary school. And they lived by themselves, and they had they had a lot of cats. Oh, no. And they, they fell down the stairs, and the cats ended up, you know. Oh, my God. I know. So I always think. <laughs> Is that why you don't have a cat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like a cat. I just can't have one here. <laughs> gotcha. For me, when I get into a really bad depressive state, it's hard to take care of anything. Like, I can't take care of myself, you know? Like, it's hard to shower. Um, it's hard to, like, get up and get dressed and even show up to work. So those are, like, the things that people see about me. So people don't see my apartment, you know, like it's my own space. Like usually I'm the only one here. So like I have a tendency to like let the dishes pile up and like let my laundry pile up. Yeah. Um, if you're living with somebody else, I think you feel like you need to like keep your place clean because somebody else is there and they have like the expectation that like you're going to be clean for them. Yeah. So for sure. if, if it's just you, then there's nobody else that cares. Yeah. It literally doesn't matter. And then before you know it, you're, you know, it makes your depression worse because you have mm -hmm. dishes piling up everywhere and your house looks like yeah. shit, but yeah. you're depressed, so you can't <laughs> do anything about it. And I don't know. It's just a cycle. Exactly. The other thing for me, too, is that there's nobody that I have to, like, hide my destructive behaviors from. You know, so, like, when I was doing really bad with my eating disorder and like you're binging or you're purging, you know, you don't have to do it in secret. You know, I could do it anywhere in my house because I'm the only one here. Yeah. I don't know. For me, that was both a positive and a negative. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, objectively, it was a negative, but it yeah. was there was something really liberating about just owning up to who I am and not hiding it from anyone. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah, when I say it like that, I, I realize how bad it was. But, I mean, a lot of well, the stress of being mentally ill is, like, hiding it from others and appearing normal. Yeah, that's true. So it's good to have a place where you can go to just be yourself, or even if it mm -hmm. means, you know, letting yourself break down. Yeah, I, I just struggled with that because, like, I didn't want to normalize with myself that what I was doing was okay. Yeah, that's smart. And just, like, accept, like, hey, I have an eating disorder and, like, yeah, you know, I don't need to get help or I don't need to change it. Because, I mean, I I don't want to be doing this for forever, you know. Of course not. <laughs> but, I mean, it's easier said than done. I know, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm still dealing with it. Do you have any support system here at all? I have a few colleagues that are nicer than others. I don't know. There's maybe two people that I would consider to be like workplace friends, but okay. that's probably the closest that I have. But I mean, I have friends back home that I talk with almost every day. And if I don't communicate with them, they usually know that something's wrong. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you said that because daily communication with a human being is so important. Mm -hmm. Like, even on the days where all I do is compliment a stranger's shoes or, you know, (laughs) talk to the cashier at my pharmacy, like, Mm -hmm. that's still better than staying inside all day and hiding under my blankets. Mm -hmm. I think that if you have a tendency to isolate, then living alone makes it easier to do that. Totally. Mm-hmm. And that's not to scare people away from living alone if you do have a tendency to isolate, but it just means you have to work extra hard at keeping yourself from isolating. Yeah. So for me, I had always lived alone with a friend or a partner. So, you know, obviously, if you're living with a partner, you're spending a lot of time together and, um, you know, they really care about you and they're checking up on you. And, you know, you do things like go out on dates and go grocery shopping together. Um, when I lived with a friend, you know, we would have like shared friends come over and there'd always be something social going on. Yeah. But I miss that. If you're, I know. Yeah, I miss that too. And if you're living alone, like you have to like force yourself to leave to have those interactions. For me, like I, I can't even host gatherings here because my place is so small. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, when I had a roommate, when we lived in a house, I mean, I didn't do it as often as I would like because mental illness, but yeah. I loved hosting parties and stuff and like having people over, even if it's just, just to share a meal mm-hmm. or watch TV, like it's yeah. the little things like that, or even, you know, coming home to find my roommate watching TV and like, we would have our separate meals and stuff, but sometimes I would sit on the couch with her while she worked and watched TV and I would eat and watch TV. And it mm-hmm. was so nice to just share that little piece of human connection. Yeah. Like I kind of took it for granted and now, you know, I don't even have that. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have a hard time with, and maybe it's the work that I do, but I feel really guilty even complaining sometimes about living alone because I feel like I'm really privileged to even like be in a space where I have the financial means to live alone because I think there's so many people, especially in their generation, who would like to. And, you know, they haven't been able to find adequate paying jobs and they're burdened down by student loan debt and things like that. So sometimes I feel like I shouldn't even be like complaining I mean, about it. I, I just, I, I struggle with that sometimes. I totally get that. I really do. Um, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Like if, if move out and get roommates and will that make it any better for your friends who do live no. with parents <laughs> or whatever? Exactly. Like, I mean, isn't there a statistic somewhere where like, the people with the highest rates of depression and suicide are like millionaires and whatever. Mm-hmm. That's true. That was a total bullshit statistic that I yeah. pulled out of my ass. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like just because you can live alone and you do have that privilege doesn't mean you're not entitled to feel the way you feel and talk about it. Yeah, that that's true. Cause for me, a big reason why I took this job is because it was really advancing me in my career and my salary and it's just been interesting for me because I've always been someone who lived more paycheck to paycheck. Now I'm like in a situation where I am not living in that way anymore and I'm able to save money. And you would think that I would be happier, but, you know, finances and wealth don't always attribute to happiness. You know, I think that. What? <laughs> 
I think that I'm just as depressed as I was before, you know, if not more so. Well, yeah, because there's the added pressure of I have to be happier now because all these Mm -hmm. things are working out for me. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've always been very goal-oriented. And for me, like, with my mental health, like, I always think, like, okay, I just got to push myself to get to the next step. And then, like, I won't be as depressed anymore or... Like, I will feel better about myself and I won't struggle with my eating disorder. But, you know, you can get to where you want to go in life and this shit still follows you. Totally. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I moved here from the other side of the country because I thought it would fix everything and Mm -hmm. got a new job, thought that would fix everything. You know, even moving into this place a few months ago, I thought it would fix everything. And yes, it has fixed a lot of things. I love living alone. And we'll talk Mm -hmm. about the joys of living alone to end the episode (laughs) on a positive note. But yeah, like I'm still dealing with all the shit I dealt with before, if not even more now. Mm -hmm. And I've done this so many times. Like, so have you. Like, it's (laughs) we just never learn our lesson. I know. Well, even for me, with my plan to quit my job. You know, I want to move on to the next thing. And I'm already thinking, you know, do I want to go back home? Like, do I want to go to a new city? And I think I just, like, look for things to, like, provide me happiness instead of working on myself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the easy thing to do. Yeah. Like, what are your fears about moving back home and losing the place of your own? Or would you get an apartment there? Yeah, I've been thinking about that because I I have friends back home and I have one friend in particular and she's living with her parents right now. So when she heard that I moved back home, she's like, hey, like, let's get a place together. Yeah, that might be great. Yeah, I I think that that could be good. But I've also become so like accustomed to living alone that I think it would definitely be an adjustment to have somebody else around again all the time even though I think it would be good for me um there's definitely things that I really like about having my own place like what for example well I think for me being like so like body conscious I always feel like aware of like how others are like perceiving like how I look so like I never just like would walk around and like you know a bra and underwear yeah you know like always like being like fully clothed and like here like I I'm still, like, conscious about my own body, but this is, like, the first time in my life that, like, I will just, like, cook dinner, like, in my underwear. Yes! <laughs> it feels, like, so, like, freeing and liberating, and maybe it's, like, a little bit cheesy, but I feel like every time I do that stuff, like, it makes me more and more confident, like, in myself, totally. and I think that's been a good thing. That's definitely one part of living alone that I love also, mm-hmm. just not having to worry about what you let others see because it's just you yeah who you are to live with is so different than who you are in every other part of life like you can be best friends with someone and then move in with them and you guys hate each other within a few months like I've seen Mm -hmm. it happen with other friends and I mean that's scary because you value your friendship and you don't want to fuck it up there was a girl that I was best friends with in high school and she was the one that I moved into my very first apartment with at 18 and things went really downhill. I I unfortunately haven't talked to her in years. I was just about to ask that. (laughs) Yeah. There's always that risk, you know, to move in with a friend that you might lose a friendship. Yeah. 
I mean, it sounds like it might be worth it to lose a little bit of your independence for a while, like, like a short term thing. Yeah. I think I have to focus like on the fact that it's just like short term. Because uh, I can move out again on my own if I want to. Exactly. And you're not <laughs> losing your independence. It's more like you're gaining he- that human connection and accountability. Yeah. I mean, accountability is such an unglamorous word. I hate to use it. But um, it, it is. <laughs> you're, you know, someone else is holding you accountable to not let yourself descend into madness. Yeah, that's it's important. <laughs> yeah. In the past, like, what are some things that you recommend that people can do to help make living alone easier for them? Well, I think for me, some things that have really helped is like committing to, especially if you're like me and you struggle with depression and keeping your place somewhat neat when you're depressed. I tried to commit to cleaning like at least once a week. I usually do it on the weekend because if I let it go longer than that, um, my place gets really bad and I feel like when you're in a messy environment it just makes you more anxious and depressed yes uh for mm-hmm. for me like I'm kind of different than you in that I I tidy constantly all day like mm-hmm. every time I walk out the door I I want the place to look nice if I die and someone has to come Aww. in and um also I'm a neat <laughs> freak but um yeah, yeah I, I try to tidy often but I rarely deep clean and so mm-hmm. there's this constant no- knowledge just gnawing away at me that there's dust piling up everywhere, that yeah. there's like gunk in the sink I'm not cleaning. And it, it just mm-hmm. really makes me feel like I'm going crazy. My mom is like very, very clean. And so she really stressed that when we were growing up and her house was like spotlessly clean. So even though like I don't have a close relationship with her right now, like she's always like in the back of my head. <laughs> And so, like, I feel like I, I feel like I'm doing something wrong if my place is not super clean. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> if it keeps you I from, know. like, I mean, I don't know. But I, I can't believe I'm saying this because I am such a neat freak. I think <laughs> you should be allowed to just be messy when you don't have the mental energy to do otherwise. Like, as long as it's not you know depression levels of dirty yeah well yeah I think it's so you have to like give yourself some forgiveness I think people forget to be kind to themselves when they're depressed and you just feel like a automatic failure for not keeping up like with the stuff that you wanted to do but like you said sometimes it's okay to just like let a little bit of stuff pile up well yeah and like whenever I've had roommates in the past I would mm-hmm. always give them the benefit of the doubt if their dishes piled up. I would always say like, oh, it's because they're busy this week. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they lost their shoe and they were running out the door and they didn't have time. <laughs> like, I come up with these crazy scenarios. But then when it comes to myself, I don't give myself any leeway. I'm either spotlessly clean or I'm a lazy slob who doesn't deserve yeah. a place of my own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah, being gentle with yourself is a really great tip. We've talked about this a little bit, but I just can't stress it enough to have like a weekly or daily minimum of interacting with another person. Mm -hmm. That's just so important. Like even if you don't like people, just do it like it's medicine Mm -hmm. because it is. 
Yeah, I would agree. I know for me and a lot of other people, like when you get depressed or you're dealing with other mental illness, like you have this internal dialogue that tells you that people like don't care about you or that you're worthless. And so I think it's important to have those like interactions to remind yourself that, you know, like you're a likable person and that people want to have a conversation with you and that people care. Yeah, even if I go a few hours without, like, texting someone, for instance, Mm -hmm. like, I find those voices getting louder and louder, like, oh, maybe they're avoiding me on purpose. (laughs) I just always find myself, like, surprised by how many people make a point to, like, reach out to me. Even tonight, one of my former bosses, she knows that I'm looking for a job, and she texted me, and she's like, hey, like, I'm thinking of you Like, I saw this job posting, like, thought you might be interested. And, you know, the fact that she, like, took the time to do that. Like, I'm like, I guess I'm not such a terrible person. (laughs) That's so sweet. Uh, Well, I don't know. I think for me, I have a difficult relationship with my family. So, like, I really want to have, like, those, like, loving and, like, genuine connections, like, with other people. So, like, I try to go, like, the extra mile to, like, build those relationships, like, with friends. Yeah, uh, what does that look like for you, going the extra mile? I have a hard time with this because I have, like, a weird memory where I can remember really specific things that people tell me. And I think that that can be, like, meaningful to some people. But, like, I also don't want to come across as, like, creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like I had a colleague tell me that he got a griddle, like, that you cook on in, like, a white elephant gift exchange. And he was, like, super excited about it. And he told me that and then I saw him like two months later and I brought it up (laughs) that doesn't seem weird to me no but he kind of looked at me (laughs) like I was crazy (laughs) oh my god okay fuck that guy I feel like that's not weird at all especially if it's like someone you don't know that well like what else are you gonna talk to him about yeah you know but maybe this is weird but like I put like reminders on my phone like, I had a friend who interviewed for a job, and he's like, yeah, I have my interview on Monday. So, like, I put a reminder on my phone for, like, Sunday night to text him. <laughs> there is nothing and... wrong with that, and I feel like more people should do that. I'm not I'm not kidding. Like, I have a really bad memory. People have made me feel crazy in the past because they'll mention these things like job interviews, mm-hmm. and I won't remember, and then they make me feel like a crazy friend. And so, yeah, as long as you know yourself, like, if you know that you're probably not going to remember, then make the reminder. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win. Yeah. Or if friends, like, mention, like, if we're, like, out somewhere or if we're, like, over the phone and they, like, mention something that they, like, really want or that they really like, maybe this this is probably even creepier, but (laughs) (laughs) I will, like, make a note of it in my phone. That's so so sweet, though. If, like, the holidays come around or, like, if I, like, want to do something, like, just because, then, like, I'll have, like, a list of stuff that they like. (laughs) Okay, that's not creepy. That's smart. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think this episode should be renamed um, How to Be a Good Friend 101. (laughs) Oh, I don't know that I'm qualified to talk on that. I mean, these are good tips. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> but um, to tie it back to living alone, have you found that living alone has affected your friendships? or? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's made them stronger. So one of my really good friends is a former manager of mine. 
And she kind of became my mentor. And we used to work together every day. So we would always see each other at work. And then, you know, we would talk outside of work. But it really wasn't until like, I moved down here that we became like really, really good friends. He told me the other day, he said, you know, when you moved, like I didn't really think that like we would talk again. And I was kind of like taken aback by that. But I think that's pretty like typical. Yeah. That, like you build relationships like in these like environments like college or work. And then when you leave them, like the friendships kind of dissolve. Um, yeah, it's normal. Yeah. So it's like made me like more conscious about like maintaining like the friendships um that I had like back home even though like I'm still here yeah I mean especially as you get older like it's Mm -hmm. harder to a make new friends and b keep the ones you have because your similarities get more and more like I don't have anything in common with the people I went to high school with I Mm -hmm. don't even really (laughs) keep in contact with any of them it's like and that's so common yeah so yeah I mean maintaining your existing friendships is so important. And I I think you have to realize like which ones are worth keeping also. Yeah. I think when I was younger, it was like more of a focus to have like a really large like friendship group Yes, that you could like go out and like party with and like do crazy shit with. But now I would rather just have like a few quality friends. And I think that's like why I want to go like the extra mile to like keep those relationships going. Yeah. Before we move on to the positives, uh, is there anything else you want to add that I might have missed about living alone, like negatives, challenges? Yeah, well, for me, one of the other mental health things I deal with is PTSD, which I actually did not get diagnosed with until I moved down here. So that's been like a big change for me. Like I had the symptoms before, um, but I didn't really know like what it was. And it can be terrifying to have that and to, like, be alone, like, in your own space. I know for me, one of my triggers is, like, unexpected, like, noises and movements. And so if you're, like, in your own apartment and, like, you see, like, a shadow or, like, you hear, like, a noise, it's just terrifying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even if you don't have PTSD, that shit is terrifying. (laughs) that's a whole other topic like how do you feel safe when you live alone like Uh, physically and mentally Mm -hmm. I mean I have my cat but she can only do so much I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) yeah even today um there's like a storm going on it's like sleeting and snowing it's kind of a mix and so there's like all these noises outside and like I swore I heard somebody open the door to my apartment and I was just like frozen in fear you know I was like creeping yeah. <laughs> around the corner like with the flashlight like on my phone <laughs> like ready <laughs> ready to fight like of course there was nobody there but it's, but there could have been I know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that also brings me to another point well first of all let me ask you a question do you know any of your neighbors I didn't until I almost started a fire in my apartment (laughs) oh shit I remember reading about that (laughs) yeah my oven broke and so I just put something in to cook like I normally would and suddenly like I smelled something and like my apartment was like almost immediately filled with like a hazy layer of smoke and so my neighbor like came up and she was so sweet I had never met her before 
And I thought that she was going to be mad. And the first thing out of her mouth was, are you okay? Oh. Yeah. And she, like, gave me a hug. And she offered, oh you know, she's like, hey, you can, like, come down and have dinner with me and my husband. What? I know. That's so precious. <laughs> but, like, I think in this, like, day and age, like, people don't make an effort to, like, get to know their neighbors. I definitely do not. <laughs> yeah. Like, I never had, even though I... I I live in a fourplex, so there's only four of us in the building. But I feel like that living on my own, that's probably something that I should have done to help me feel more safe. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, as I was asking you what you could do to feel more safe, I realized, Mm -hmm. oh, duh, (laughs) like, your neighbors, that should be the obvious solution. Just get to know your neighbors. I mean, when I went out of town for Christmas, I Mm -hmm. had a situation where um, I locked my cat sitter out of my apartment because Mm -hmm. my key didn't work that I made her and if I had had a neighbor with a key my problems would have been solved you know it's it's things like that like you don't want to be surprised by but Mm -hmm. but at the same time I I hate talking to neighbors I hate acknowledging that neighbors exist I agree (laughs) I hate thinking that they hear things going on in here yeah I mean I think it's worth challenging yourself to interact with your neighbors for that reason. If you do live alone even more, I think it's important. Well, for me with like my mental health, sometimes I'm like hesitant to like start a relationship. Um, Cause like, I wonder if they like notice that I haven't left my apartment in like three days or that like I suddenly like emerge and like, I look like a mess, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm bulimic and I've, had times where I went out four times in one night to get groceries Mm -hmm. and I'm sure they've heard me purging before our bathroom walls are really thin Um, and it's embarrassing it is so it just it helps me like feel better if I'm like the anonymous person you know like if they don't even know my name so on the other hand you can have shit on them too (laughs) my neighbors have a puppy that's always crying (laughs) And they're, they're always smoking weed and it comes through the bathroom and I don't like the smell of weed personally, so it's not yeah. pleasant. But, uh-huh. you know, I think everyone puts up with a certain amount of things. I mean, as long as you're a decent human being, at least. Don't sweat yeah. the small stuff is what I would uh, recommend. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, do you feel safe currently in your apartment? What are, I would what say are some so. ways that you have made it a safer <laughs> place? Well, for one, when I when I moved down here, I didn't have very long to look for an apartment. I had one day. But in my current building that I'm in now, I had a choice between a ground level unit and the second story. And I immediately said that I wanted the second story. Yes, I would have picked I feel the like it's Yeah, I feel like it's harder for somebody to like scale a building. <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> to, to get into my window so. or at least not without giving you lots of warning yeah exactly but every time like I hear like a noise outside that's like my immediate reaction as somebody because there's two columns in front of our building and my immediate fear is that they have like scaled a column and are like out on my balcony yeah balconies kind of freak me out for that very reason but um oh. <laughs> okay so we've talked about all the ways that living alone is hard 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should end on some positivity. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> um, what are some ways that living alone has been good for you mentally? I don't know. I think I've always like thought of myself as someone who's like very like self-aware. Like I do a lot of like self-introspection. So I feel like I know myself really well. Um, but I feel like when you're spending like so much time with yourself, like you really get to know like who you are. I feel like if you're by yourself, like in your own space, like that's the most like you that you can be. Yeah. Like you're, you're very like authentic. I feel like I've really gotten to know who I am, especially to like being like single now, you know, I don't have like a partner that I'm trying to like change or adapt for. So I just worst. feel like I've. I know. I feel like I've really gotten to know like who I am. Yeah. And was it you who made that post about constantly switching things up in your house? Yeah. I feel like, (laughs) I mean, no, I do the same thing and it's so cathartic. And Mm -hmm. I love just not having to ask anyone's permission. Like, is it okay if I flip my bed upside down and move this dresser over there? Like, you don't have to ask permission. (laughs) You just do it because you feel like it. And it's just so liberating. And I don't know, having things constantly changing in my house, I think is good practice for like life, I guess, like having things constantly Mm -hmm. changing outside, it makes it feel like not something I should be afraid of, but something that I can get excited about. I agree. And I feel like every time like you change like stuff, whether it's like your environment or the way that you dress, you're kind of getting the opportunity to like explore different sides of yourself. Totally. And nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you move, you know, your dresser over to the other wall, you don't have to keep it there. Like it's, yeah. it's all temporary. <laughs> like, I think we t- kind of get tied into the idea that our choices are like in our apartment, at least are like permanent. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've rearranged things so many times. And I think that's good for my mental health, too. Because it kind of like reinvigorates my environment and it helps it to feel yeah. New and fresh. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who is really into like mindfulness exercises. Uh-huh. And um, one of the things that she recommends when you are trying to live a more mindful life is uh, changing your perspective often. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, if you walk on the right side of the street every day, try walking on the left side. Or one that I've been doing is uh, I'm always looking at the ground. So one day uh-huh. I decided to just look up as much as I could. And it those kind of little things really do make a difference and you can totally practice them in your own place. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I look at the ground too. I'll have to try that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it, if anything, it just keeps your mind sharp. Mm-hmm. You also sent in an amazing suggestion back when I was asking for advice for surviving the holidays. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you recommended putting twinkle lights and like burning uh-huh. candles. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> That is one of those little cheap things you can do that will just make you feel so much safer and more comfortable in your house. Yeah, I actually, I burned incense before we got on the call. Nice. Incense is great. Anything that, like, emits a smell, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. a good smell. Yeah, well, one of my life pro tips is to look for candles at the thrift store. Yes. Candles are so unnecessarily expensive. Yeah, they are. And I've gotten brand new, like, high-end candles at the thrift store. I don't know why people donate them, maybe. Well, so, some of them are unburnt, so that doesn't make sense huh. to me. But I get them for, like, a dollar or two, and I have, like, a stockpile. That's amazing. I, I kind of want to uh-huh. run out and 
thrift for candles now. Yeah, you should try it. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. one thing that might be worth talking about is um, stockpiling your possessions when you live alone and how important it is to regularly like get rid of stuff you're not using. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, talk about bringing you down. Like, literally, <laughs> your possessions <laughs> can bring you down in a major way. I cycled through that. So one of the things that I struggle with, especially when I relapse really badly with my eating disorder, is like a shopping addiction. And I mean, I shop at the thrift store, so it's not as bad as it could be. But it's just like this constant like accumulation of things. Yeah. If you're like in your own space, you know, you can start to like feel overwhelmed at a point with like all of your stuff. Growing up, our family didn't have a lot of money. And we Mm -hmm. always shopped at the thrift stores, but even so, like, we accumulated stuff. And so Mm -hmm. my mom wouldn't let us buy a stuffed animal at the thrift store unless we got rid of one (laughs) that we already had. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's kind of carried on with me as an adult. Like, I I try to get rid of one thing every time I buy one thing. And so in that way, my belongings kind of stay under control. I always read about that, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, that's like the answer to my life problems and then I never do it (laughs) I mean again it depends you know you can't replace everything (laughs) I know (laughs) another life pro tip I have is to use Craigslist and Facebook marketplace to sell your stuff yes oh my god Facebook marketplace is so easy to use (laughs) hot take everyone like Mm -hmm. I I never used it for the first time until I was moving into this place and it's it's so easy to use. You can get a little bit of cash for your mm-hmm. possessions, and it really is a win-win. Well, even building off of that to even find stuff for your apartment. Yes, that too. Well, everything in my apartment, with the exception of, like, some linens and stuff like that, I thrifted. Um, well, I got my mattress new, so oh, yeah. I should. You kind of <laughs> have to. But everything, like, in my kitchen, like, my appliances and, like, my dishes and my silverware, like, my couch, the mirror that I have in my bedroom, like, this bench that I have, everything I got, I got at the thrift store or Facebook Marketplace or, like, an estate sale. It's magical. I guess that would be another thing I would say is living alone, you have to furnish your entire place. That can get expensive. It can get really expensive. So try to, like, figure out ways you know, to get the stuff that you need. And definitely, like, prioritize what you need right now versus what you need a few months down the road. So you can kind of space them out rather than spending a huge chunk of money at once. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. (laughs) As long as we're giving out, like, apartment tips, um, when it comes to cleaning, Mm -hmm. for me, like I said, I struggle with, like, actually getting down and cleaning things. So Mm -hmm. one thing I found really helpful is to buy like those packs of Lysol wipes or like to buy glass cleaning wipes like in yeah. the, I guess in the short run it's more expensive than buying a bucket and soap but mm-hmm. I know that realistically I can't be bothered to you know get out soap and a bucket and cleaning cloths like it's worth it for the convenience to me yeah, so like to... knowing yourself and finding like little cheats like that like, do you have anything like that? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You know, like, as far as the wipes go, um, it, this isn't specifically with living alone. But, you know, I, like, found that with 
my depression that, you know, maybe I don't have like the effort to like get out my face wash and like wash, wash my face, but like I can do like a makeup remover wipe. Yeah. This is turning into quite um, <laughs> the self-help <laughs> housewife podcast. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, I don't, my main focus like with my apartment when I get overwhelmed is like to, I can leave clutter, but like I like to make sure that like stuff is not dirty. So usually yeah. I focus on my bathroom and my kitchen. That's funny. We're like opposites. Uh-huh. <laughs> we should be roommates, and then our house would just be perfectly clean all the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just, I never thought that I would be that person, but I've become somebody who works out every day. Which is incredible. Oh, you all, thank you. I have so much respect for you. Like, I don't know. Like, how do you do it? Uh, well, for one, I pay a lot for my monthly membership. <laughs> That always <laughs> motivates you. Yeah, and my main form of exercise is bar classes, which when you say that, people think of, like, the drinking bar. Which <laughs> Well, so what is it exactly? You talk about it a lot. So it's kind of a combination of, like, cardio and yoga and Pilates and ballet. And it's, like, meant to be, like, all over, like, movement and toning sort of exercise so you kind of hit all the major muscle groups in like 50 55 minutes nice but for me i have been trying to schedule a class every day so that like aside from work it gets me out of the house every day like on the weekends i deliberately sign up for a 7 a.m class because it forces me to get out of bed and to get out of my apartment because otherwise like i'll just sleep in and then it's like you know, 10, 11. And I feel like I've already been wasting the day and then I just like don't leave my apartment and then I'm in a bad mental headspace. Oh my God. Yes. Um, you know, making sure you have a pretty full schedule has really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have coffee dates m- almost every weekend with my friend Connor, who was on the podcast before. Um, yeah. We just bring our laptops to a coffee shop and sit mm-hmm. and do our own work but it's, like, every weekend almost, and, like, mm-hmm. it, it gives me a reason to get out of bed and not just, you know, lie there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm i a homebody. I love being at home. Same. So We talk about it like it's a bad thing, but <laughs> I fucking love staying inside. I'll pick staying in <laughs> over going out any Friday night. I know, but sometimes I, I get too comfortable doing that, and then... I spend all my time in my apartment and then I start to get really depressed. So like I, I have to have those things to get me out of the house. Um, It sucks because like it's at the point where I can barely enjoy that feeling anymore because I know it'll turn into depression later. mm -hmm. I'm like, why can't I just enjoy being alone? Why do I have to worry so much? It's like, I feel like that's a common theme with this conversation. Like, um, being afraid to just enjoy things because we're worried about them turning rotten. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem for me. I feel like it's either like zero or a hundred. There's like not usually an in-between. <laughs> yeah. That's it, that's just incredibly common with, mm-hmm. you know, almost every guest I've had on here, like, and in my own personal life, like, black and white thinking, man. 
Yeah. What's the answer? I know for me, I had never had coffee. Like, I never drank caffeine. And I wasn't sleeping well because I was, you know, by myself for the first time and, like, the PTSD and all that. Mm. So I started drinking caffeine to help keep me awake at work. And it went from, like, one cup to, like, two pots. And oh then... My God. <laughs> and then before I knew it, I had a kidney infection. Fuck! <laughs> I know. Okay, so don't do that. <laughs> but I'm like, why can't I just enjoy stuff in moderation? <laughs> well, moral of this episode, just uh, take a deep breath and uh, don't worry about the next hour. Just... I know. You know, I mean, I have to tell myself that, too. I'm preaching from the choir here, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just so important. I, and, and that is, honestly, the biggest benefit of having a place to yourself, I think, is just the ability to mm-hmm. sit in the moment and not be interrupted. Because how agree. many people can say that, you know? N- not many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if you have a significant other, you uh-huh. don't have that privilege. So... I think those of you, I mean, this episode is coming out a few days after Valentine's Day. I know it's kind of a, it's literally the day of the year most people kill themselves. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a terrible time of year to be by yourself. Um, So I want to leave you guys with the message that it, it can be a beautiful thing. And it's something that probably won't last forever. And so just enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I just have really come into my own, I think, living by myself. And I've really come to better understand myself and, like, appreciate the things that make me me. Totally. Um, Do you have anything else you want to add before we call it a night? Yeah, well, I would say another thing that you can do for yourself if you're living alone is to have, like, something to look forward to when you come home so for me lately that's been like cooking dinner it's like a routine that I really enjoy even if I'm by myself and it's something that like makes me happy you know like even though like I'm alone in my space like it brings me joy um other things that I've done you know like I plan like a bath um, oh, it must be nice some- to have a bath. <laughs> I know. But that's something that's, like, a little bit outside of, like, my normal routine. Like, even, like, if I have, like, a long day at work and, like, I feel bad that, like, I'm coming home to, like, my apartment and then going to be alone. It's something that, you know, I, like, anticipate doing and it makes me happy. Totally. Or even, mm-hmm. like, tying it back to keeping a full schedule. You can schedule like self-care time yeah oh man what was I gonna say oh my thing that I look forward to is getting home and knowing that my cat will be at the door meowing at me no I mean it's (laughs) because she wants to eat but yeah it's just yeah and then after she eats I'll brush her and play with her for like 15 minutes and um Mm -hmm. it's just nice knowing it's like just the two of us yeah, somebody who loves you, you know, and is probably looking forward to seeing you as much as you see them. Yeah. Well, now that we have on record that I'm a crazy cat lady, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say again, thank you so much for talking about this and being vulnerable and dealing with 
my ramblings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Living alone has been like a scary experience and it's been kind of dark at times, but I feel like I've really grown. I feel like I've grown more in the past eight months than I have in the past few years. And I think that's really because I've been by myself, you know, and I've kind of been forced to like face myself and like face my problems. And yeah, it's not I an just easy think it, thing. Yeah, it can really be an amazing experience. Um, you know, you just have to figure out how to approach it in the right way and figure out what those things are that you can do to make it to make it feel more safe and enjoyable. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll let you go. And okay. Thanks again. No, you thank you for having night. me. And <laughs> yeah, you, know, you too. If you ever need someone to talk to, if you ever feel alone, I'm obviously here. So is oh, Ruby. Same to you. I can't oh. <laughs> promise she'll be very talkative. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Okay. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye.